This is the Improve Photography Podcast, episode number 181. This episode is brought to you by Improve Photography Plus. That is our subscription website with a two-week free trial that for $20 a month, you get just about all of the products that Improve Photography does, all for one price, all right there, all in one place. Hundreds of Lightroom presets, hours and hours and hours of video that you can learn from me and Nick and soon uh, many of the other hosts of the Improved Photography Podcast. Post-processing, you want to learn Lightroom, Photoshop, it's all there on Improved Photography Plus. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast, your weekly dose of photography knowledge. This week I am joined by Josh and Larissa and Connor. Hey guys, how are you? All right. Doing well. Hey. All right, well we have a ton to talk about in this episode. We are going to do a uh, an episode just kind of talking about, you know, three major things that, that have come through in our photography uh, that have that have kind of helped us. That have that have uh, been kind of major major uh, breaking points or points that that helped us to get to the next level. Josh, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What's what are some of the major points that that have helped you? Sure. So my first one is um, the Improved Photography Plus presets. I actually purchased them during the Lightroom Steel last year in 2015. Um, I have to say that for a long time, I was editing all of my photos the exact same way. I had the same process of moving all the sliders in the same way. And, and it really, my photography, at least from a post-processing standpoint, was really stagnant. I wasn't growing at all or changing. So I decided to go ahead and buy the Lightroom Steel. And now you can get all the same presets, as you just mentioned, through Improved Photography Plus. Um, and it, it was a total game changer for me. Not only because the presets changed the way that my photos looked when I applied them, but because it taught me how those sliders were working that I hadn't been using before, and I used the example of like this split toning panel, I had no idea what that thing was about. It was weird. It sat down there. I had no idea how to use it effectively. And when I started to see how other people were using those parts of Lightroom, it completely changed the way that I edited my pictures, and it totally changed my post-processing game. So I really recommend that you check out uh, looking at some presets. Those are really helpful for me. You know, I feel the same way about about presets. I think um, a lot of people think of presets as like cheating on your photos that you're like, oh, I'm just applying some random style to it and it's not really something that I'm creating. And I think of it the same way as you, Josh, that like I've really learned a lot when I look at somebody else's presets because you just get in an instant, you get to see exactly how they're getting the look that they're getting like start to finish uh, just like in, in a snapshot. So I, I love it for that as well. That's cool. Absolutely. So um, I can go on to my second one here. We were going round robin before. Um, oh, let's round robin this. All right. Okay. Larissa? Okay. So mine is travel. Um, when I first started shooting, I had a point and shoot that, you know, it was, wasn't a cheap one, but it wasn't expensive either. And my husband and I first went to Amsterdam and Spain, and I was taking pictures there because I'd never been there before. The pictures weren't quite coming out the way that I wanted them to. So when I got back from there, I decided to research on getting an SLR, and I bought a Nikon D40X, held on to that for about a year or so. Um, with those cameras or that that camera, the focusing was in the lens, not in the camera itself. So I couldn't use the Nifty 50 that I had purchased. So I upgraded to the Nikon D90 
And from there I've upgraded, but just being able to control what I wanted to control in the pictures made a big difference when, you know, the next time we traveled where I was able to take better pictures at night or, you know, if there was something going quickly or drag the shutter, it really helped improve, you know, my picture taking. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I think like we all know how important it is to like travel and get out and shoot. But then when it becomes the difference between buying a camera and travel, like almost everybody picks the camera. But like really, like if I had the choice to either shoot a Canon Rebel for one extra year before moving on to a different camera, but I get to go on an awesome work workshop, like I get to go on Nick's Palouse workshop uh, or to the Oregon coast like he's doing in just a couple months and I've got to shoot the Canon Rebel for it, or I sit at home in my same city without anything inspiring me with a full frame camera, absolutely I'm sticking with a Canon Rebel and I'm using the money on, on a workshop that could help you way, way, way more. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Totally. Um, so for my first thing, I just wanted to mention that right after I got beyond using my kit lenses, I bought all prime lenses and shot with those exclusively for a few years. So I had a 28 millimeter, a 50 millimeter and an 85 millimeter. And while it doesn't really count, you can't zoom with your feet like a lot of people always say you can. It's the reason that I bought those three where I have at least a little bit of a leeway between my focal range. Mm -hmm. But one way or the other, it kind of forced me to be a lot more intentional in the way that I shot. Um, I couldn't just zoom in on something because, oh, it's way over there. I, I would have to walk those 100 or 200 yards if I didn't have the focal, rank, focal length to reach that. Um, and just learning how to shoot more intentionally in general has really helped me improve all of my compositions. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was just in Chicago this last week um, for the Out of Chicago conference, and uh, a couple people who shot primes were hating life because you get in this line of a photographers when you're on a workshop. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to like step in front of everybody, and so if you're shooting a prime, it's like crud. I can't zoom in, and so you just got to kind of wait till everybody's done. So I've I've never loved prime lenses. I I've owned really just a few, and and I just haven't loved them as much as the zooms. What is what is it that you're liking about them? Well, Connor? the thing is, I've actually kind of moved beyond shooting primes now um, I, I shoot with a 24 to 70 most of the time which kind of covers most of that focal range um, the thing that I like about primes is the sharpness but anymore the sharpness isn't really that big of a deal um, the time that I made that investment it just happened to be that for the quality of lenses that you were getting I was saving a ton of money but when when you yeah, that's add everything point. up when it, I mean, if I were to keep buying prime lenses it would be like how many more of these am I gonna buy before I could have bought all of the zoom lenses I might possibly want that are the high-end stuff. Or how heavy your bag would be. Yeah, exactly. Yes, also true. They are a lot lighter weight. And I mean, you can always, you can always trade up later. You know, if, if you want, if all you can do is buy the prime so that you can cover kind of the general focal lengths that you want to use and later you switch it into a zoom, then that's awesome. That's a great way to get started in, in, on your kit. You can always sell them and usually don't even lose that much money when you sell uh, lenses as long as you're buying kind of the main popular no, lenses. No, I actually, I just sold two of my three prime lenses that I used as my primary lenses and I actually made money off of them because I bought them used initially and got a good deal for them. So I sold them for more than what I paid initially a few years ago. That's awesome. Okay, uh, for me, I am going to say flash photography uh, for the very first. That's 
the very first time that I was brave enough to like, okay, go on Amazon and order a flash, even though I have no idea how to do this. Manual flash sounds sounds intimidating. Just have not even a starting reference of, of where to begin with it. Um, when I actually got it and the first time that I, um, you know, actually used it and got it to fire and stuff, it was just a big change in my photos that I could finally control every little part of the picture uh, and that was that was really really cool for me um, and then you start adding different modifiers and placing them in more creative places to really change the light um, and it, it just it, that was a, a big time for me where I got super excited about photography is when I first got got going in flash yeah, I had my um my flash for probably several months before I even ventured to put it on my camera so it took me a while to get the nerve it's kind of like buying it's kind of like me buying a treadmill. <laughs> I bought a treadmill like in December and I was like, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to do this and get fit. Uh, and then it's like, oh, well, crap. I, <laughs> I don't want to get on that thing. And it's really the same thing with Flash. You like buy it and it's like, if I tuck this in the <laughs> deepest recesses of a camera bag that I never go to anymore, I don't have to see it anymore. But then once you finally pull it out, it's uh, yeah, much, much I, better. I spent a number of years just man, I wish that I had pulled out the flashes more often. I had them and I was just intimidated by them because I was like, it can't be that simple. There has to be more to it. And then once I finally started playing around with them and using them, it kind of almost feels like cheating by how much they improve your photos compared to how hard it is to use, which is not that hard once you start learning them. Yeah, when you're used to just going with with the natural light and there's nothing wrong not with the all. natural light. But once you get a taste for controlling it, whoa, yeah. big change. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna jump in front of everybody else and go to my <laughs> second one, um, and that is taking a Photoshop class. Uh, I was fortunate enough that I I really only took two, you know, photography-ish classes in college. Uh, I kind of was just doing it as a hobby during my undergrad. Um, but I, in my communications major, I did take a Photoshop class and a, a photojournalism class. Um, and taking an actual organized approach to learning Photoshop, I don't, I actually think it would have been more helpful for me if I would have taken an online class just for the way that I learn, um, just because then I could rewatch things if I forgot them, because I forgot so often what I'd learned in class. Uh, but for other people, it's great, you know, to have somebody right there to answer questions. However you learn, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but just to learn Photoshop in an organized way, I think saved me a huge amount of time uh, from, you know, just like watching one YouTube video here and one there and reading a little tip here and there. Um, and you just get you just don't know how to use the software correctly and you end up with all kinds of bad habits. So I, I was really fortunate to have an organized way of learning Photoshop. And I'm really grateful for that. I think that put me a long, a long time. Absolutely. Ahead. I'm, I'm actually going to cheat and jump ahead as well. If that's all right with everyone else here. <laughs> nice. Chuck in the right. position. I love so this. Just kind of tagging along with the Photoshop class thing. Um, my second point was that I really improved after I learned how to retouch properly. Um, Really, when it comes to Photoshop, I know a few things, but I'm not some sort of Photoshop expert. However, I was the person that hopped around from YouTube channel to YouTube channel before I finally decided it's probably worth paying a bit of money to learn how to do this thing properly. So I used to retouch photos and just kind of guess at what I was doing. And I, I was just overdoing it. 
my photos would always come out looking a little bit funky. So once I decided to look around and find a little more help, um, I was able to start learning all these different skills. And over the years, I just kept watching and kept watching. And eventually, I've been able to kind of mash all of these different techniques that people teach into my own type of workflows that really work for my style um, as a portrait photographer. Very cool. And I happen to know a guy who's working on a retouching uh, retouching tutorial for improved photography, hopefully. I don't know who it might be. <laughs> oh, you know, I was I was trying to downplay that a little bit. <laughs> okay, guys. So I'm not going to let anyone jump in front, anyone else jump in front of me now. I'm going to go back. Um, so I'm going to move on to um, another educational oriented tip, which was is immersing yourself in a community of photographers. Now, with the digital age, we have this ability, obviously, through things like podcasts like this and also the Improved Photography Network and all the many other YouTube channels and Facebook. Facebook groups that are devoted to different disciplines within photography. Once I started, decided about a year ago to get into photography full time as sort of a profession, I the, one of the things I totally did was dive into some Facebook groups that were devoted specifically to the areas of photography that I'm interested in. So things like real estate photography, architecture, aerial photography, the things that I do a lot of right now. And it was shocking how quickly I learned, mostly by showing people the work I thought was amazing a year ago and then having them go, oh my gosh, you have a lot, you have a long way to go. But um, I, I mean, if you immerse yourself in those communities, you learn the tips that people are saying, things like, again, podcasts just like this, all the resources that improved photography has and all the other groups that are out there um i, I went for eight years as an am amateur photographer barely growing at all and then I, I started doing that and it was shocking just how quickly my photography improved so i just recommend highly getting involved with a community of other photographers yeah and that's tough to find i i think that's really hard for most photographers to find i don't feel like i ever got that um you know like a real great uh, community that I could work on. Some people find a home, a uh, photo home, uh, like when in a local camera club. Uh, I tried going to a couple and just didn't have a great experience. You know, it was kind of people that were um, uh, just very picky about like print presentation and technical stuff. And they weren't just, and people were very anxious to want to prove how much they knew more than you. Um, and it wasn't just like that fun atmosphere, people working together to learn something and encouraging each other. And so I, I just never really found that great community. So boy, if you can find, you know, I, a f local photo club, uh, you know, if there's an online cl community that works for you, um, even if it's just a photo buddy, you know, you got a couple buddies uh, in your local town that you go shoot with regularly so that when there's like awesome lightning happening, you can text each other and say, hey, let's get out there. Just things like that, man, make, makes a huge difference. I, I have always wished I had that. I'm right there with you. I mean, I tried out a number of forums a few years ago and it was just like everybody was always doing that, trying to outsmart the other person, not outsmart, but show off how much they know instead of trying to be helpful. And that's, that's one of the things that I actually really love about the Facebook groups for the Improved Photography Network is that people tend to check their ego at the door. I mean, we go in and everybody's just nice and they want to help each other out. And it's one of the few online communities I've found that really is supportive and helpful. Cool. 
All right, so All right, I'm gonna I'm sneaking go. Sneaking in my last one. Oh no, no, it's my Laura, turn. So ladies first, ladies first. Go ahead. <laughs> Do that. Okay, so podcasting is um, one of mine. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I have an hour commute um, every day up to work, so I listen to depending on the length of the podcast. Sometimes one to two podcasts, or depending on the traffic, it could be three or four. Um, and I spend a lot of time at my desk, so I listen to podcasts there. I feel that podcasts help you learn a lot. You learn all the upcoming things that are, you know, the new gear that's coming out. And also you learn tips and tricks from a lot of people. So I think, you know, it's a great way to learn. I don't watch many video podcasts. I try to, but I don't have the time for that. Um, but I do enjoy the audio podcasts and listening to what people have to say. Absolutely. Yeah. I've learned a ton from podcasts, uh, all, all different podcasts. Uh, there are just so many good ones. Not only, photography but also business stuff i've learned so much mm. uh, just like how to run a small business uh from podcasts that has really helped me over time lately i've been doing a lot more more audiobooks i've kind of been on a kick with that but just there's so much time that we just waste where you're just like walking around the grocery store just like doing you can do this with your eyes closed almost you know you're you're commuting you're on the treadmill exercising that's where <laughs> i should be but i'm not um you know whatever it is that that you have that mindless time we all have it um, and so if you can be learning and taking advantage of that, you're going to have a huge advantage over others that are just vegging at those major chunks of time during the day. Okay, I'm sneaking in my last one. It is watching other photographers work. Um, I have, you know, you, you can learn all kinds of stuff. You know, improvephotography.com has an article going up every day and you can get tons of book knowledge but, you know, when I actually get to get out and shoot with you guys uh, that, that are listening to the podcast, um, it's so fun uh, to be standing next to people and say, oh, that's how you do that. Or, you know, just just different things that you um, it's tough to 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 learn in in a podcast or in a YouTube video that you just don't get when you're just not there, because sometimes, you know, I'm trying to think of those things that, that people would like to learn, but it's it's hard to remember what you've learned so long ago, you know, that's kind of just been part of, of your routine now. And so anytime you can actually get out and shoot next to a, a, a photographer that uh, that is a little bit further down the, down the line than you, uh, you, you can learn a whole lot. And so I've, I've learned tons from doing that. Or not, not just the, you know, like this is more organized information on this podcast, but like if you go to our YouTube channel and just like watch the videos of, of making, making photos or, you know, watching somebody work with flash photography instead of just talking about working with flash photography, that's where you, you can pick up a lot of cool tips. And so um, that, that's really helped me doing that. Absolutely, Jim. And so I'll mention really quickly my last um, my last tip, which is saying yes to jobs that are beyond your skill level. And what I mean by that, Ooh, great I don't mean by that, like if a government decides to come up and say, we want to contract you to shoot, you know, uh, a bunch of things at the same time. No, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that. But what I'm what I am talking about is, oh, for instance, about seven, eight months ago, I hadn't shot a lot of commercial real estate before or uh, things like businesses. And I 
I was approached by a company on a recommendation to shoot a hotel, to do a lot of hotel photography. And I was completely nervous about that. It was something completely different than what I was used to. I was used to shooting just just private residences mostly. And um, I, I said, but of course I said, uh, yeah, okay, I guess. You know, and, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work out or not. It turns out it went really well. Of course, I was completely nervous. And it was a job that could have taken three hours, took me 10 hours, but it didn't matter. Um, I, I really um, learned so much from that. Not only just like how, how to shoot a, a, a commercial space, but also how to like interact with um, media buyers and people, art directors for with larger groups. It, it took every aspect of my photography business and my actual photography kind of to the next level. So I highly recommend when the opportunity presents itself, step out there and take that harder job, even though you're not totally confident you can actually do it. You'll be surprised what you can do when you put yourself in a position to have to do it. Especially when you're forced to kind of sweat it out and I mean, worry about all the different ways that you can do things. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because there are times when if you feel a little bit stagnant, push an idea or do something that you really just don't know how to do because you will figure it out in a hurry. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm for gonna, my, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to jump on the back of his because when I first started doing, um, when I first opened my business and started freelancing, I started shooting for a local magazine and I didn't shoot people. I didn't shoot with flash. And I had to go in and shoot all these events for this magazine. So guess what? I've got to group people together and, you know, take out my flash and use it on them. So it was something totally different than what I was used to. And I used to hate shooting people. I never wanted people in my pictures. But when I started shooting for the magazine, now it's like I'll wait for people to actually walk in a, in a scene instead of walking out. So definitely agree with um, shooting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and you know, I feel like I could possibly tie this up in a little bit of a nice bow by saying that my final thing is that for I had to force myself to acknowledge that being jealous of other people's work could be a good thing. Um, it provides you with drive, and it also gives you something to look at and break apart and figure out why you like a thing. Um, overall, I, I think that too often we photographers view other photographers as competition, but really having someone else having skill doesn't take away from your skill and all it does is to help legitimize the industry that we're in if we're surrounded by other great photographers then everybody ends up looking good it's that what is it raising tide or high tide raises all ships rising tide raises all boats yeah yeah, yeah. It, so i really something that's helped me a lot is just becoming more okay with the idea that i want to help other people get better at this thing that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, very good. Well, we've talked about a lot of different things uh, that have been helpful for us as we've uh, as we've uh, learned photography up to this point. And I'm sure we'll have lots more uh, moments like this as, as we continue to improve. Um, I wanted to make a quick report on uh, this last week. I spoke at Chris Smith's Out of Chicago Photography Conference. It was a great experience. Uh, before uh, the, the conference, I did two pre-conference workshops, and a lot of you guys uh, were there um, at those. I did a uh, kind of a fitness model shoot uh, one day, and then the second day I did a, a model shoot with a local model there in um, in Chicago. Uh, it was really, really a fun experience. I get, got to meet a lot of you who were there at the conference. Um, so thank you to those of you who showed up, uh, and, and it was good to meet uh, lots of you who were there. 
Um, and also, I want to put a, a note out to uh, get out and follow us on Instagram. Uh, I think all of us uh, on the show today are, are on Instagram. And I'm switching mine over. I So I've been using... So I started an account four <laughs> years ago just called Improve Photography. Um, and then I abandoned Instagram for years. Um, and I then I started coming back about six months ago. And I was like, okay, let's see if I can get used to this Instagram thing. So I started my Jim Harmer profile. Um, and I've been working, I've been kind of posting on there, getting more into it. And then I just ju- checked last week. And the one that I started four years ago has like 19,000 followers on it. Um, I think people have been searching improved photography and not my name. And so um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm moving everything back to improved photography. And I've been posting a lot more regularly. Uh, so get on there and leave me a comment. I've been following lots of you guys that, that are on the show, um, as well as, as Connor and Josh and, and Lorraine. Marissa and Nick is on there and Eric is on there. Brian's on there. Go, you can go follow us all. You know what we need to do? We have a lot new, lot of new people on the podcasts. And so we should make a, a host bios page uh, where you can get on. You can just read a little bit about all of us. Uh, there are so many new voices on the show. I don't want it to seem like just random people showing up all the time. But uh, we, we wanted to add lots of new talent, lots of new voices uh, for you guys. So go. So check out in the show notes. We'll have a link to uh, the host bios so that you can learn a little bit more about everybody and feel a little bit more uh um, interested, I guess, as, as you listen to the podcast. And we'll, we'll put that together for you this week. All right. In every episode, we leave you with some doodads of the week. Connor, what do you got for us? All right. So my doodad is actually, this is a book. Um, it's a really cool book. It's called In Focus, National Geographic Greatest Portraits. Um, really, it's not that expensive for how thick this thing is. I mean, I, I'd say it's probably an inch and a half thick. It's kind of small, but it's just a photo book. It's, it's beautiful going through, and as a portrait photographer, I've been able to find a lot of inspiration looking through some of the photos that are some of National Geographic's all-time greatest portraits. So again, it's in focus, National Geographic greatest portraits. And as I said, I think it's like 10 bucks, maybe 15, uh, but it's, it's really cheap for what you're getting. Cool. Very cool. Um, so my, my doodad of the week is actually a, a little more than a doodad. Anytime a doodad gets over $300, it's, it's a little less doodaddy, more geary. Um, but, but my, but my, my doodad is the, um, flashpoint, um, uh, sorry, the flashpoint lost it. Sorry, sorry, 360. Sorry, right there in front of the flashpoint streaklight 360. It's an amazing, uh, flash, which is basically, I've been using young Nuo regular speed lights for a long time, Canon speed lights. Um, and I decided that I wanted to kind of up my game in terms of power. Uh, A lot of times I'll be in a room. Again, I do a lot of real estate photography. I need something that, that will fill up a larger space. Um, and I don't want to break out necessarily two or three speed lights to do that one job. And specifically with the way that I work, I tend to walk around and do some light painting. So I, on the recommendation of some people in my community that I follow on Facebook, I found this Flashpoint 360. It, it's basically just a speed light on steroids. And the cool thing is it comes with a little battery pack and a trigger and it'll last for days instead of just running through a set of double a batteries it lasts forever um and it provides a lot more light it's also really customizable i mean i can take it way down to just you know 128th or all the way up to quite a bit like twice the power of a normal you know one-to-one um a full power on a regular speed light uh so for me it's been a great way to kind of uh, simplify my workflow when i'm out there and i highly recommend it 
Now, Josh, this thing looks oh, really cool. cool. Um, do you need a, a bracket to be able to mount modifiers to it, or does it have its own modifier mount? So it does have its own sort of simple diffuser kind of thing that's on top of it. I actually just got it, um, so I haven't had a chance to play oh, okay. around too much with different modifiers on it yet. Um, uh, there actually had been a special that I think Adorama was running where it comes with the trigger and the battery pack kind of special. Um, so I'm not sure what all is available for it, but I do know that it has a very simple diffuser that comes with it. Um, and there's, I don't know if there's anything else, though, at this point. Okay, my doodad is cool. oh, sorry is the EBL twelve bay LCD AA AAA nine volt battery charger. Um, I have one of these. I was using you know the basic chargers that you can get. They charge four batteries at a time, and you end up charging. You can't put just one battery in there. You have to have at least two, and it will charge them both simultaneously. Well, this one charges each battery individually. And it also has a little display that shows you how charged the battery is. So batteries charge at different levels sometimes, depending on how dead they are. So it's good to have them charging individually. That way you don't end up with one battery that's charged and one that's not. So it's a great deal. I think it was $30 on Amazon. That is a great recommendation. I have one of these. It's from a little bit of a different brand. I don't know how much it matters really. Um, but I, I like having it because I had been using these rechargeables for a couple of years. Some of them uh, had been in the rotation. And I just felt like my flashes were dying really fast. Like, you know, the batteries just weren't lasting very long. And once I put it in one of these that had individual, you know, it gives you the battery um, status for each individual battery, I found out that a lot of the batteries that I had in my rotation were dead. They just weren't any good anymore. So I was only pulling off three batteries instead of four in my, in my speed light. And that was the problem. The battery just had a problem. So if you get one of these that will show that it's not charging and it has a, has a problem with that battery, you can chuck it and not just, you know, try to deal with, uh, your flashes not lasting and not really be sure, being sure what the problem is with the battery. So great recommendation. It's great. Now, I know, Jim, in the past you used to, I know they said that you should charge your batteries together and keep them all together and use them together. So I've got all my batteries labeled as A, B, C, you know, four at a time. I'm guessing with the individual battery charger, you don't have to do that? I, I don't quite understand what you mean by that, by labeling them A, C, D, A, B, C. Well, like if I had four batteries, I would always stick those four into my flash and they would all be labeled A so that when I took them out, I charged all four oh. of those together. No, I, I haven't done anything like that. I just go random with batteries because I know they're all good when I put them in. I think that's the difference with when you were charging, you know, when I was charging them, you know, on the charger that had two batteries charging where you couldn't just charge them individually. I think that right. was when that happened. Yeah, what I usually do is I, I bought two little net bags on Amazon. One of them is red and one is black. And so when I take the batteries from my charging station um, and put it into my bag to go to a shoot, I put them all in the black bag. And then as I'm as I'm done with batteries for the day, as they're dying in, in flashes, I put them all in the red bag. Um, and then I take the red bag and take it back to the charger charging station in my office to charge for the next shoot. So that's how I do it. But I don't Jim, have like little teams of batteries. You just made <laughs> me feel so stupid with that because all the time I'm juggling and I'm like, I, I don't know if this battery is good or not. And I'll throw them in, take them out. Because I always have a system where I have them in a plastic bag. And once I've used them, I'll take them out and throw them just regular in the in bottom of the bag so, exactly and then eventually i just have a bunch of batteries at the bottom of my bag because inevitably the plastic bag opens up 
So you just made me feel very stupid because that is such a smart <laughs> idea. Well, now I have little orange battery holders and I've got them four batteries per little holder and I'll stick them all in my bag. And then when they so, die, I just throw them in the bottom of the bag. Yeah, see, Larissa has an even better system. She's got little teams. Her teams are like competing, like who's gonna make it? Make it? You know, sorry, you're you're in in the dugout, son. Well, see, I have you're the Enloop batteries, and they're right white, so I could write on them with a black sharpie. But then I got some Amazon batteries, which are black, and now I can't write on them with a black sharpie, and I don't have a white sharpie, so those get mixed up together. The kind of things we face. <laughs> All right. Uh, mine for this week is piggybacking on Nick's recommendation. It is the uh, Glow Parapop 38-inch uh, softbox. Nick recommended this a couple weeks ago, and I was gritting my teeth because it's a $220 softbox. And I've for years used the cheap, you know, $30 softboxes, and they're okay, but I... I I probably have eight of them in my garage or at least pieces of eight of them because they just break and they, I lose which one and you've, I buy some of them and then I realize, oh man, you got to have the speed light in the softbox so I can't access the speed light to change batteries or anything. It's just a mess, all these softboxes. And so Nick uh, recommended this one, this uh, $220 one. So I gritted my teeth and I ordered it. Um, and then at Out of Chicago, uh, David Davis, who's awesome, um, had one of these that he bought um, after Nick talked about it at the portrait conference. And uh, so I used David's for the day and it is awesome. This is the good stuff. I know it's expensive, $220 for a softbox, but it's totally worth it. Yeah, I'm really glad that I bought it, and uh, I think I have a light modifier that's actually going to last me. It's easy to put the flash on it. The It's easy to, to extend everything. It comes in a nice little bag that'll fit in my backpack as I'm traveling. Uh, this is the one, Glow Parapop. They make a 28-inch and a 38-inch. I got the 38-inch, um, but I think I might also order the 28-inch uh, just wow. to, for when I want a smaller light as well. But uh, I, I think if you're only buying one, buy the 38-inch. Uh, it seems to be a, a great size. So Glow Parapop 38. But uh, you're never going to remember all of the links to these things. So you can go to improvephotography.com slash doodads. And yes, I know it's hard to spell doodads. So I have uh, found a couple different ways that you can spell it. And I have, have it all forwarding to the same link. Uh, we weren't great about updating the links to these uh, when we uh, for the last couple of weeks. But now we're, we're on a good schedule. We'll make sure we have all of these updated every single week when we uh, release the podcast. So that's improvephotography.com slash doodads. You have the links to uh, all the products we talk about for the entire year. They're all updated on there. Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. Really appreciate your support and everything. Uh, it was really fun to get out and meet with you guys. Uh, we are working on some really fun things uh, for the next few months. Uh, we're working on a conference uh, to come up uh, at the start of next year. We've, uh, I mentioned it in the last episode, and I thought, should I have done that? And then I think we're going to go over that. I think we're going to run with it and see if we can pull it off. Um, and then... The second thing is I am working on an app of photo locations uh, so that when you uh, have some extra time, you know, you got a long layover in Toronto, like I did, um, a 24-hour layover, uh, you can get out, out and you know kind of the, the hot spots for photography there. So uh, that's another project that's uh, coming up. So um, lots of exciting things. We're trying to do our very best for you guys, and uh, we appreciate your support. 
uh, Connor, Josh, and Larissa. It was great talking with you guys. Uh, we'll put links uh, to your websites in the show notes so people can check you guys out, and we'll get our uh, host bios page up there as well. See you guys. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye.